I am your leader, Matthew Bussy. Okay, I'm just kidding. Let me turn that go off. Hi, everybody. Before we get started, uh, I just want to honestly uh, unofficially sponsor this episode to Pride Month. You know, this episode is airing uh, in June, and you know what? There is There are just so many hateful people out there. The fact that there are people trying to ban drag and ban, like, gay people in general and it's 2023 and people are still people are still trying to do that you know what i have one message for you if if you believe in what those people believe in eat a penis honestly i get very mad about this because it's just so annoying let people love who they want to love let people be what they want to be there is nothing wrong with them okay and if i feel so bad for you if you still continue to believe that there is so you know what this pride month everyone just be nice all right be nice to one another. Be happy. Be nice. Let's all just get along. All right. I'm reviewing here. Oh, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watch and review Sight and Sound's top greatest movies of all time. <gasps> I don't know why I just did that. You know, my dog is so strange. If I ever make monkey noises like that, she will freak out. And she is not, she did not hear me, thank God, because she's taking a long nap right now. How is everybody doing? I am recording this on Memorial Day Eve. So, uh, yeah, great holiday. Great, great holiday. And you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? The Murph Challenge. Ever heard of it? Okay, the Murph Challenge is this really cool social media challenge where you go and you eat all these hot peppers and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. There's not, There's no food involved. Actually, let me quickly tell you what the Murph Challenge is. Now, I don't know the full story behind it. But it commemorates uh, a fallen American soldier who I'm assuming his name was Murph or his last name was Murph. Surname or first name, I forget. You do, you run a mile, you do 100 pull-ups, you do 200 push-ups, you do 300 squats, and then you run another mile. Boom! Oh my god, I got the chills just thinking about that. I love that so much. I did it last year. And it was amazing. I could not walk for like three days, but oh my God, it felt so good. I encourage everybody to do it. Well, this episode's coming out post-Memorial Day, so, but you know what? Do do it, do whatever, do whatever, you know, do it whenever you want. Challenge your body, uh, but do not take my advice because I'm way too skinny and I don't know what I'm doing when I'm at the gym. And people are always like, you know, at the gym, like, okay, well, have you thought about getting a trainer? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, good. Like, it's like $500 a session. And I'm like, uh, okay, okay, uh. I think I hear I think I hear the milk band. I gotta go. Bye. Yeah. Um, I cannot do that. But yeah, a hundred pull-ups. Wait. Yeah, a hundred pull-ups, two hundred push-ups, three hundred squats. Squats are amazing. I love doing squats. Push-ups are eh, just a little awkward. Pull-ups I suck at. But you know what? It's just however. It's all about how much you can try and do it. You know, it's the effort that counts. As who said that? I think it was Gandhi. Anyway, guys, this is a really fun episode today, and I'm really looking forward to it because this episode uh, deals with the movie that deals with scandal, murder, Hollywood, love, sex, love, and murder. Did I already say that? I said them both. I'm sorry. It's a very, uh, this is actually a very famous noir uh, a noir, a film noir, for those who may not be familiar with that term, a noir is basically a genre of film that deals with kind of like a sultry, pulpy kind of uh, 
sordid story. That's a very horrible description. Pardon me. Shit. I'm sorry. No, a, a noir, like what's a good example of a noir? I'm trying to think. There's, it's usually set in a city. There's usually a detective. There's usually a hot woman who is very sexy, but has kind of like a dark side to her and she could be a killer. And there's, you know, like I said, there's always like a murder suspect and the music's always like, like jazz saxophones and everything. And, you know, there's usually the detective usually falls for the wrong girl. It's kind of like basic instinct, but basic instinct takes that 50 steps further and makes it kind of like a little soft core pornographic. Uh, but this movie today though, um, does not have any sexy sex because it came out in 1950 and oh my God, if you did that, are you kidding? This movie would be banned. Yes. Great. Fantastic movie though. I'm very, very happy. I saw it today. My friends, I'm going to tell you about in a lonely place. Mr. Steele last night. Yes, as I came home, I saw him going to his apartment with a girl. That girl was murdered between one and two o'clock this morning. I had seen her before and a girl was killed and because of that I found what I was looking for first you have to have enough imagination to visualize the crime you're driving up the canyon you put your right arm around her neck you get to a lonely place in the road and you begin to squeeze you're an ex-GI you know judo you know how to kill a person go ahead go ahead brother squeeze harder Dix didn't do it. You saw him after the girl left. But Lochner has a different idea. He believes Dix could have done it. I left his office feeling as though he were trying to warn me. I came here because I wanted to say these things out loud and be laughed at. But you're not laughing. Let me in. So are you taking to Las Vegas? No, I know. Are you I packing didn't... to go on a honeymoon? Yes, of course. Are you packing to run away from me like you ran away from Mr. Baker? Dick. <laughs> I just have to laugh at the music. The music is the same in every single one of these old movies. Every single trailer, the music is the same. Every single one. It's just absolutely nuts. It's crazy. Oh man, though, this movie though really stuck with me for a long time. Well, I'm also really excited to review it because it is the first movie on Sight and Sounds list going from the bottom to the top that has the one and only Bogey.
Humphrey Bogart, but Bogey, that was, you know, that's how people refer to him as. Humphrey Bogart, oh my goodness, I friggin' love Humphrey Bogart. You know, when I was a kid and I didn't have any friends, uh, there was a period in, like, fifth grade where I became really obsessed with PowerPoints. Like, I would make PowerPoints about everybody. Now, they were usually on, like, my childhood crushes. Like, I did one on Hayden Panettiere Ally McBeal, I was like obsessed with Hayden. Oh no, I'm sorry, not on Ally McBeal. Hayden Panettiere was in Ally McBeal season five. Great show on Hulu, check it out. Uh, and I was like obsessed with her in it. So I did a PowerPoint about her. I did one about Tara Reid. And then I did one on Humphrey Bogart. I did not have a crush on Humphrey Bogart, but I don't know. I think there's something about Humphrey Bogart that to this day makes him just so powerfully charismatic. I think that's kind of the best way to describe Humphrey Bogart. Now, if you're listening and you don't know anything about movies, it's okay. Humphrey Bogart uh, is one of, uh, was one of the, well, to this, what am I trying to say? He is one of the most famous American actors ever. Uh, Casablanca is one of the most famous movies ever. And you know that very famous line, here's looking at you, kid. Yeah, that's Humphrey Bogart. Humphrey Bogart was really most famous for his tough guy roles. Uh, he was in a lot of noir films. He was in a lot of thrillers back in the day. I think what, uh, kind of, what am I trying to say? Well, I will say this, you know, it's, it's odd too, because, uh, he'd been, nom- you know, he was nominated for Oscars and Humphrey Bogart ended up winning an Oscar. Finally, kind of late into his career, it was actually uh, for *The African Queen*, which came out a year after this movie. *The African Queen*. He is not a tough guy. He's not a gangster or a or or a, or a, you know a shady character with a gun in his pocket and a knife in his butt pocket or anything like that. Ow, that would be uncomfortable. In *The African Queen*, he that's like a rom com. It's him and Catherine Hepburn. Uh, kind of a little bit sort of like Romancing the Stone, like that movie with uh, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. It's kind of like an action-adventure romance movie. Oh my God, he's like a light-hearted goofball in that movie. And you know what? He won an Oscar for it. And The African Queen is like one of my favorite movies ever. It's so good. I hope that's on this list because I haven't seen it in so long. Bogart, though, I think the interesting thing about Bogart, I remember what I was going to say now. I've seen movies with Humphrey Bogart where he play he, he does play a shady character, especially in this movie, in a lonely uh, place. Like he wanted to say in a lonely night. I don't know why. Here's the thing though about Humphrey Bogart. He this is what makes him such a charismatic character. He could be like the meanest, most villainous character in a movie, but you're still like glued to him, you know? you still just want to kind of root for his character in a way. He has that really unusual balance of tough guy, but also like, like, uh, like a a dangerous looking big teddy bear that you just want to go and hug, you know? And like, you want to be, feel protected by, you know what I'm saying? He has that sensitive side to him as well. In so many of his movies, you know, one of his most famous movies, it came out a year before Casablanca, was uh, The Maltese Falcon. Actually, not one of my favorite movies. Sorry, film critics, but I don't really get the big deal about The Maltese Falcon. But that is considered one of like, uh, I, I don't know if it's considered one of the first noir films, but you know, it's a classic. It's a very classic thriller noir. And he's got the hat. He, it's, it, you've got the black and white cinematography and the... Humphrey Bogart, you know, punching people and getting a gun and speaking like, yeah, what were you last night, huh? What were you doing, huh? Ooh, ah, ah. You know, like, he, he talks like that a lot. 
uh, in his movies. But you know what? In any Humphrey Bogart movie, though, you're kind of like rooting for him in a really unusual way. Really unusual. You know, he did this great movie called The Treasure of the Sierra Madre uh, two years before this movie. Uh, 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 and Treasure of Sierra Madre came out in 1948. He turns into a total dick clown in that movie. That's a movie all about greed. It's all about uh, treasure, duh. And it's also about how greed and, and uh, you know, avarice, did not need to use that word, but I'm just, I always try to in conversations. It's about how that basically drives us crazy. And, you know, in that movie, in this movie, in A Lonely Place, he kind of has that similar trait where, you know, he can be a douchebag. He can be potentially very dangerous, but at the same time, you're kind of like, oh, like anytime I watch him, at least, you know, I'm always like, no, like, come on, like you can do it. Like, don't be like that, you know? But it's like, you know, I would love to get Bogart in a room and just be like, okay, I don't want you to kill me. I don't want that. But can we just have a little talk? Can I make some tea with you? with some almond milk and some agave syrup because it's really good and it makes you feel really good. I just had it. That's probably why I'm, I sound like I'm a little bit high right now, which I'm not. It's tea. Tea gets me a little bit, you know, it's that kind of, uh, it's that kind of elixir. In a lonely place though, um, this is honestly, I think what is so good about in a lonely place, it's just a great story. I think that's what, that's the best thing to say about it. Honestly, uh, this is, this movie Many critics nowadays consider it to feature one of Bogart's, if not his, best performance ever. He's fantastic in this movie. Um, Bogart, too, you know, I, I, I read somewhere that uh, his character in this, someone who actually knew Bogart, it's kind of like a sad thing to say, but they said his character in this was actually so familiar to how he acted in real life, which is a little... Eh, it's a little sad. And Bogart, you know, he, he died pretty young. He died a few years after this came out. He died in, I, I believe, 1957. And I think he was only, like, in his 50s. He was a big drinker. He was a big smoker. I mean, they all were back then. But, you know, he... There was, there's no one else like him. There really isn't. He would also totally be canceled in 2023 if he was alive because uh, he married Lauren Bacall, another very famous actress... Uh, from back in the day, she was 19 and he was like 45. Oh <gasps> yeah. Now. Okay. Before we all freak out, look, it was different back then. Was their marriage appropriate? I guys, I don't know. Look like that was, Oh, come on. I don't even care about, I don't even think about that. I don't know if it was appropriate, but you know, things were different back then. And you know what? They were together till he died. And Lauren Bacall had nothing bad to say about him. And they were, they did uh, movies together too. Lauren Bacall, if you ever just YouTube her, she did, she performed one of the most famous lines in any movie. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. <laughs> I love it. Gives me the chills every time. All right, I should probably start talking about this movie and stop gushing over bogey. In a Lonely Place. Uh, this is a, like I said, I really liked it just because of the plot. I think the plot is the best thing about this movie. Uh, it was directed by Nicholas Ray. Nicholas Ray was, uh, in my opinion, most famous for doing Rebel Without a Cause, uh, this 1955 amazing high school teenager movie all about 
how being a teenager is so crappy and depressing. And it is one of my favorite films ever. James Dean, Natalie Wood, Salmoneo. It's also a very sad movie because the three of those people died very tragically. James Dean died in a car accident when he was really young. Uh, Natalie Wood drowned and Salmoneo was murdered. Awful. Um, but let's not talk about that. In a Lonely Place is also a pretty upsetting movie because there is some murder in it. But uh, he directed this film. It's based on a novel that had just come out in 1947 by Dorothy, uh, Dorothy B. Hughes. Now the movie is, uh, super, super different from, uh, the book. Mainly the end of the film is incredibly different, which I'll get into, but it has all the ingredients and the look of a noir thriller, but you know what? I kind of wouldn't really totally call this movie a noir. I mean, it is and it isn't. I think it is because it has the plot of a noir and it has the characters of a noir, but I think it doesn't really necessarily have the look and feel of a noir, you know? So I don't know. It's, I'm a little, I kind of agree with that statement, but I, I kind of also, I don't, I just think it's a thriller. It's honestly just a mystery, murder mystery thriller. And uh, it's very good. So Humphrey Bogart, uh, this is set right after World War II, and Humphrey Bogart plays Dixon Steele, also known as Dix, D-I-X. Okay, don't laugh. It's just his name. It's just a nickname, Dix, all right? It's no big deal. I have a friend whose name was Courtney, and we used to call her Cox. Yeah, we weren't trying to be dirty. It was just a nickname. Hey, Cox is here. Go in the other room, you know? Yeah. So Dix is a Hollywood screenwriter, and he is, he just can't catch a break. He's kind of like one of those one and done popular screenwriters. You know, he has not made, uh, he's not written a hit film since before World War II. He's that type of guy who, if you walk up the streets of LA, Hollywood, wherever, you know, somebody will come up to him and probably be like, I think I know you. Didn't you do that movie? Like, ages ago. Yeah. Like what's up, you know? So Dix is a little bit like in the rut and is not very happy with his life. You see this early on too, that Dix also has a bit of a violent side or at least not necessarily violent, but an aggressive side, you know, like in the opening of the movie, he is driving his car on the street of LA on the streets of LA. And there's this other guy with his, I guess like his girlfriend in the other car. And they're kind of, I don't know, he, says something that kind of, uh, strikes a chord with, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, hits a nerve with Dix and Dix gets out of the car to beat him up. And the other guy's like, Ooh, and he, you know, speeds off. So there's something a little bit, you know, he's, he's aggressive. He's an aggressive guy. Uh, you wouldn't really want to get drunk with Dix because he would probably be the first guy to probably pick a fight or get kicked out. You know, we all have that one friend who's done it. No, it's not been me, but I have been kicked out of clubs before, but accidentally, like I dropped a glass one time at a club and they thought I was, you know, shit faced. So they kicked me out anyway. So Dix, uh, like I said, has not had a hit in a long time. Uh, one day, the same night that he gets almost in a fight with, uh, the, the guy in the car, he meets up with his agent. His name is Mel. Um, and Mel basically tells him, you know what? I have a good story that you could write. There's this book that, you know, the studio is adapting and we'd love for you to write the screenplay. And Dix is a little bit, uh, pessimistic and is kind of like, I don't, uh, whatever. I don't really know if I want to do it. And there's this girl that kind of pops up. She is a hat check girl. Uh, yes, it was a real thing that they used to do back then. Her name is uh, Mildred Atkinson. 
And she's played by an actress named Martha Stewart. No, not that Martha Stewart. Uh, she was mainly, no, she didn't really do a lot. She's mainly known for uh, In a Lonely Place. I forgot to say too, Mel was played by uh, an actor named Art Smith, who I didn't really recognize as well. But um, I also could not take Mildred seriously because anytime I hear the word Mildred, I just instantly think of the parent, of the parent trap. And Mildred Plotka calling for you. Sounds just like your twin. My twin! Very funny. Good one, Martin. Hello. Oh, Mildred, darling. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Mildred Plotka? Who thought up of that name? Oh, that movie's so freaking funny. Uh, so you were on the phone last night. Oh, yeah, uh, my friend. I was talking to my friend, Mildred. She lives in New York. Actually, it was 7 at night tour time. You see, she lives in New York, but she was on vacation with her family in Bora Bora. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so Mildred is kind of like secretly a diehard fan of Dick's and she knows all about the story because Dick's doesn't know what this book is about. And uh, Dick's basically invites her back to his place. Uh, and, you know, we see a little briefly that there's this new neighbor of Dick's and her name is Laurel, Laurel Gray. And she's played by Gloria Graham. Gloria Graham was kind of a... She was an Oscar-winning actress. Uh, she was actually married to the director of In a Lonely Place, Nicholas Ray, while they were filming this movie. But what people didn't know is that they were fighting a lot and their marriage was basically near the end. So this whole movie, they basically had to, the people didn't know that they were secretly like really battling it out. And there was even a producer, I read somewhere that there was a producer who actually made Gloria Graham sign like a contract stating that she would not fight with her husband and she would kind of let him, you know, be the boss on set and they would just get along when they were working and she had to do it. But apparently, yeah, no one really knew. So good for them. Uh, Gloria Graham would probably also be canceled in 2023 because later on after this movie, she ended up marrying Ray's uh, son from a previous marriage. So technically her stepson, she, pre she went on to marry Oh my God. Yeah. The fifties, the forties, man. Oh man. Oh man. It would be so weird to like get a phone and travel back to the forties and just capture what society was like, especially in Hollywood. I would not want to really do that. I mean, I would, but yeah. Okay. So Mildred goes back to his place. She tells him all about this book and she's really engrossed in it. And she is just like, Oh my God. And it's there, this happens and this happens and this happens. And Dix, uh, uh, Dick, I almost just said Dixie, like the Dixie chicks. Dix is just still a little bit like, I, this sounds really dumb. I don't think I, I want to do it. And he gets her in a cab and to go back home. So that's it. Nothing happens. He doesn't flirt with her or anything. I don't really know if she's even attracted to him either. She's just, you know, she's an innocent, uh, woman. Scandal soon happens like immediately. So the next day, uh, Dix is taken in to, uh, the police station. He has a friend who's a detective. His name is, uh, I love this name, Brub Nikolai. Brub. 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 What the hell does that mean? Yeah, Detective Sergeant Brub Nikolai. He's played by an actor named Frank, uh, Lovejoy, who also did, uh, another noir called The Hitchhiker. You gotta have a dash in it. Never seen it. Don't even know what it's about. So Brub takes him in and says, okay, that girl you were talking to last night, she's been killed. Uh, she was murdered and they don't know who did it. And Dix is like, well, I didn't do it. And the detective's like, well, you kind of like need an alibi, uh, you know, because you're a suspect. You were like one of the last people to see her alive. And Dix kind of remembers that his new neighbor, Laurel, saw him 
So he's like, oh, well, she can, she has some, you know, she can cover for me. So he brings her in. And Laurel is a very, very, I wouldn't really call her a voluptuous young woman, but you know, eh, she has a little bit of sex appeal. You can tell she kind of likes dicks a little, <laughs> oh God. You can tell, don't laugh. You can tell she likes dicks a little bit. Dicks, the character, yeah. But probably real dicks as well. She has a little bit of a, a you know, she likes to flirt a little bit. She, and you know, this is kudos to the dialogue in this film too, because it is very noir-esque, the dialogue. So she comes into the police station and she confirms, no, yeah, I, I saw dicks last night and I saw this girl, but, you know, she wasn't killed at his place, so I think he's innocent, you know. Uh, and the police are pe pretty much like, okay, um, well, I guess you're okay. We still don't know who killed this woman though. Uh, some scenes happen and Laurel and Dix fall in love and they have a very kind of almost comic relationship. We learned that Laurel is kind of a struggling actress as well in Hollywood. So that's why they really headed off. He's a struggling screenwriter. She's a struggling actress. Boom. They are magnetic for each other. But they have kind of a funny relationship because I think Laurel is... Laurel, oh, I hate that name, Laurel. It's hard, so hard to say. Laurel is basically okay with Dix's very dry sense of humor and kind of like sarcastic, a little kind of rude sense of humor. You know, like there's one scene that made me chuckle where he comes in after a long day and she's like getting a massage and she yells from the other room, like, where have you been? And he just goes in typical like bogey... Humphrey Bogart dicks fashion. He just goes, eh, none of your business. <laughs> and then just sits down and doesn't answer her question. But she kind of like chuckles. You know, that's just kind of how the relationship is. And this is why Bogart is so good in this movie because he's just so good at playing kind of like like dickheads in a way, you know? They're they're like lovable in a, in a weird way, you know? Well, this romance, unfortunately, uh, it, Laurel becomes to get... She becomes a little bit suspicious of her boyfriend now. Um, you know, there's a scene where, oh, I forgot to say too, I'm sorry. Laurel, uh, Dix agrees. I think Laurel kind of pushes him to this. I probably because he, you know, has fallen in love finally and he's feeling a little bit happier. He agrees to write this script, uh, for his agent. Uh, Mel. So Mel is really happy and everything is happy. And, you know, well, we don't know who killed poor little Mildred, but Dix and Laurel, they seem to be hitting it off and, uh, you know, whatever. No big deal. Dix's behavior slowly get becomes a little bit eye-raising, though, and Laurel becomes a little bit scared. You know, there's kind of an awkward scene where they're hanging out with friends uh, at this, like, restaurant and... Dix, is bas Dix basically reenacts how he think the murder happened, you know? And that's a little weird. Laurel is a little bit disturbed by that. Now, at the same time, though, you as an audience member are like, well, he's a screenwriter. He, he, he has, he's got an imagination. Doesn't mean, he's, doesn't mean he's a killer, you know? Even that scene, I was like, well, that doesn't prove anything, you know? I, I, I've seen a lot of horror movies. I'm not a serial killer. I could probably reenact a fake murder, you know? Oh God, that got really dark. I, I would not do that. I would not do that. I swear to God, I would not do that. But yeah, look, Dix is though, his demeanor changes. Uh, there's a really, really disturbing scene where uh, there's a famous shot from the movie where Laurel and Dix are driving 
on like the empty highway of Hollywood and it's at night and you can just see Laurel's face. She is scared. She is scared of Dix and does not like him as much as she used to. And the other person who is uh, definitely uh, suspicious is uh, Sylvia. Sylvia is uh, Laurel's masseuse. And Sylvia, right off the bat, it's kind of similar to all about. It's always like the helpers, like the help, who are the most suspicious. And you know what? I love that in these movies because that they were always, they tended to be the smartest ones in the room too. So she is uh, Laurel's masseuse. And right off the bat, she just feels like there's something off with dicks. So what was I saying? Oh, the famous scene. So they are driving on the highway. There is this motorist guy who, again, just... Uh, gets Dix really mad, and Dix gets out of his car and starts to beat the crap out of this guy, and then picks up, like, a rock and looks like he's going to bash him in the face with it. And Laurel is screaming from the car, like, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it, you know? And he doesn't. He stops. But right off the bat, that is, like, a red flag. Like, Jesus Christ, were you going to kill him? What are you doing, you know? I mean, that's assault right there. That is absolutely assault. And poor Laurel just, uh, you know, he wants to marry her. He proposes to her and she, you know, accepts, but she kind of accepts his proposal out of panic, you know, because she just, if she's worried that if she says yes, that he's going to, you know, maybe possibly get angry. She thinks he might actually have killed Mildred now. And what's so good about the movie is that you really begin to question it too. You know, and those are the great types of movies. You know, these mysteries are so much fun. So Laurel, uh, Laurel, I should just call her L. She, you know, accepts his proposal, but then on the side, she uh, secretly plans to go to New York City and and uh, escape from from Dicks. You know, and she doesn't want to tell him, obviously. Uh, and then I'm just honestly going to cut to the chase at the very end. Uh, Dix finds out that Laurel is planning on leaving him and he gets really aggressive. You know, she, she tries to lock herself in a room and he bangs in and then, and then he, um, gets her on the bed and she's like, please don't know. And he starts strangling her, strangling her. Oh my God. And then the phone rings and he basically stops himself. Thank God. And he goes to pick up the phone and it's Nikolai, his, his detective friend. And he basically says, uh, okay, look, about Mildred's murder, we have some news. Uh, we found out who did it. It was Mildred's boyfriend. Uh, his name was Kessler, this guy named Kessler. And he did it. He, uh, you know, we found out that he did it. And it's a moment that's so friggin' awkward because now Dix is like, oh shit, well, and I just tried to kill my girl, my fiance. Uh, all right, um... Bye. And then he just leaves the, 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 the house and Laurel, you know, is crying and watching him from the balcony. And then the movie ends. It ends very abruptly. I was a little bit surprised by the ending, but I mean, it ends in a very heartbreaking manner, you know? Now, the biggest thing about uh, In the Lonely Place is how different this ending is from the book. Okay, the book... Jesus Christ. In the book, Dix is actually a serial killer and a rapist. Um, and Nicholas Ray very ex uh, specifically did not want to do that in the movie. And I'm very glad that he did because, you know, this is what makes the movie so much better is it's, um, 
it's 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 good that he did that because you know it makes Dick such a more fascinating character. Uh, Ray even said that he was more interested in quote unquote doing a quote unquote doing a film about the violence in all of us rather than a mass murder film or one about a psychotic. And that's very true. You know, Dick's you you kind of relate to him a little bit. I mean, yeah, he's got a horrible temper. This is a super toxic relationship, and she has she, Laurel had every right to get the hell away from him. But you can kind of sense his frustration, you know? I mean, how would you feel if, like, you were a one-hit wonder in Hollywood and you're just constantly now known as the guy that used to be famous? I mean, yeah, you, you kind of feel for him. Of course, now this is no excuse for Dix's behavior, but that's what's uh, really interesting about this character. And Bogart just does it so tremendously. And in the original ending of this movie in the film... Ray wasn't going to make him, uh, Ray wasn't going to make Dix a serial killer and rapist, but he was going to make him the killer in this. And what they were going to do was they were going to have, uh, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. They weren't necessarily going to make him the killer of Mildred. That's a little ambiguous, but they were going to have Dix kill Laurel at the end. And then Martha, the masseuse helper woman, she comes in and discovers uh, the murder. And you know what? They actually did that, and then they changed it. And the ending of this, they actually improvised. They kind of just came up with it on the spot. And I think that's maybe why the movie feels like it ends a little abruptly. But I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant, you know? It's kind of like one of those tragic love stories, you know? And again, I mean, I, I can't stop praising Bogart's performance in this because, I mean, that final shot in the movie of him leaving laurel because it's like literally well i massively screwed up i just tried to freaking kill you uh bye i mean it's like it is a movie like ray says it is about the violence in all of us it is about that darkness in all of us you know and uh we really just hope that that does not come out ever great cinematography in the movie too this uh cinematography was done by a man named burnett uh, burnett burnett guffrey Never heard of him before. Really great shots of Hollywood. You know, that's why I said, too, this is a noir movie because you got the setting, you got the 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 uh, love affair that is pretty dangerous. You know, you got the murder suspect. I didn't... That's the other thing, too, the murder suspect. I think that's why I became a little bit... I felt a little bit like this was less of a noir because the whole movie, I didn't... Usually in a noir, you can suspect that the woman, the femme fatale is usually the killer. But in this film, I think what's interesting about Graham's performance is that she doesn't really play Laurel as this potentially super dangerous woman, you know? She's she's innocent. I think from the get-go, she's innocent. I don't know, you may think differently, but uh, I, I think that's uh, what makes In a Lonely Place a very unique kind of noir. It's like, it is a noir and it isn't. It's a... Uh, this is just a movie, you know, I'm going to cut right to the moral of the story. The moral of In a Lonely Place is, you know what? Don't date. <laughs> the morals of these movies, I'm really bad because they're always so negative. I'm just kidding. No, you can date. Um, no, the moral of In a Lonely Place is probably this. Be suspicious. Be very suspicious, you know? And also, look, life is hard, especially if you're in Hollywood. We all know it's hard. Trust me, read about the history of Hollywood, read about the history of movie stars, read about current movie stars and how they're doing. There's there's a reason why so many kind of like one-hit wonder movie stars are now, 
you know, on podcasts and doing podcasts and everything. It's because they want to talk about the reality of how difficult it is to be in Hollywood and to stay relevant, you know? It's sad, but it's true. So I guess the other moral of this movie is, you know what, if you are in Hollywood and you are struggling, we're there for you. And never give up, okay? And don't become like dicks and try to kill people. Maybe, possibly. You know, ambiguously, maybe. That is kind of the other thing about In a Lonely Place is that it's a little ambiguous, Dix's real intentions. Would he really have killed Laurel at, Laurel at the end? Was he really going to kill that motorist guy with a rock? You don't know. You don't know. In a Lonely Place, where can you watch this movie? The Criterion Channel. Hello. Uh, amazing, 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 amazing movie. I'm really, really glad I watched this. Very, very fun. Uh, where else can you watch this movie? I think you can also watch it on, oh, movie. M as in Matt, UBI, movie. Like movie, but, oh, and it's also with U, so it's like French. So it's like movie. M-U-B-I. I actually don't have Mubi. I am probably going to have to download it soon if any of these movies pop up on there. But Mubi is very similar to the Criterion channel. It's really, really cool. And they have a lot of really obscure movies on there. So highly recommend it. Uh, and yeah, definitely watch this movie. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. To I'm reviewing here. Please do. Uh, new episodes are every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, anywhere you want to. You can also listen to episodes of it on YouTube. New episodes premiere the same day as on YouTube as new episodes on the podcast. Leave a review, preferably a good review, because I'm trying to get the word out on this, and I'm trying to get guests, and podcasting is really difficult. I'm also going to be an uncle soon. I'm already an uncle, but, you know, good to be an uncle again. So I'm a little stressed out right now. Uh, very happy, but very stressed out. And I just want to chat with people. So, you know, but again, I'm also an honest guy and I fully appreciate honesty. So if you hate me, you can leave a review as well. I don't really give a shit, but yeah, please do. And you can also follow me on Instagram at I'm reviewing here. You can follow me personally at Mabusi. It's my last name, B-U-S-S-Y. No laughter, please. It's not funny. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the jokes. It's not funny anymore. And yeah, I will see you next time. The next movie is a very famous, very famous Hollywood movie. And guess what? It's depressing. <laughs> Aren't they all? I'm really looking forward to that, though. Thank you for tuning in. Bye-bye.